Welcome again to the Tasty Morsels of Critical Care podcast. Um, thanks to the wonders of preemptive Rasputin, which I have a tendency to confuse with Rasputin at this point. It just kind of the two words ran together. Uh, thanks to that, I don't think this is as common as it used to be. But that is wild speculation on my part as someone who's only really looked after cases in the single digits at this point. The basic premise of tumor lysis syndrome goes something like this. Chemotherapy does exactly what it's meant to do, uh, and it kills tumour cells. These cells break down, releasing, amongst other things, the purines that make up various components of the cells. Our bodies have a a well-established pathway for dealing with an influx of purines, and it metabolises them to uric acid. Uric acid is weakly soluble and excreted at a certain rate by the kidneys. The problem comes in that the metabolic processes for converting purines to uric acid is much more efficient than the process to remove same uric acid from the body. So phenomena like this are widespread in biology and chemistry and they're put to good use with the long history of happy hours and shots as a means to bring about inebriation before the pesky liver can catch up with its work. Interestingly, primates uh, are unique in not being able to convert uric acid to the harmless compound allantoin. It's hard to see what evolutionary advantage our ancient ancestors gained in dropping the enzyme needed, but then I can't imagine beer and steaks were big on the diet of the average primate at that stage. So, in tumor lysis syndrome, we have production of uric acid far in excess of our ability to excrete it. Uric acid then tends to precipitate out of solution into crystals, um, and they have a tendency to crystallise out in A, the joints, and B, the renal tubules. So now we have a combination of failing kidneys, oliguria, hyperkalemia from the worsening acidosis, and the potassium release from dying cells. So enough with the pathophysiology. What kind of context clinically are we going to see this in? So particularly you're looking at tumours with a large tumour mass or with bone marrow involvement, and the two ones I see topping the list would be Burkitt's lymphoma, or some of the ALL or AML would also be another one, so leukemias. Small cell lung cancer also appears commonly in lists with this as well. There is something called a Cairo definition that can be used to diagnose it. I'll spare the details, but it is nice to know it exists. Obviously, it's common in the days post-chemo, but it can actually happen spontaneously in patients with a tumour burden who don't have chemo. I mentioned rasburicase earlier because this has changed things significantly. When we give rasburicase, we're providing that enzyme that all the other mammals have that we have dropped. This metabolises uric acid to the fairly harmless allantoin, eliminating our dependence on the glacial process of excretion. The drug can be given prophylactically in the right context, um, so we never actually see the tumor lysis syndrome develop at all. The other drug you may remember about uric acid from med school days is allopurinol. This blocks production of uric acid, so surely a good thing, I hear you cry, but unfortunately it merely diverts it into the production of xanthine. Uh, Xanthine is another somewhat problematic compound that we're also not particularly well adapted to get rid of, so generally allopurinol is less and less used for these things. Rasburicase is a recombinant product that seems fungal in origin, so this means you can make antibodies against it, uh, and also it is a reported cause of methemoglobinemia, which I did not know. It's pricey, um, but then so is €2,000 a day in intensive care on CRRT, so I think it's probably worth the cost. Of note, uh, CRRT will probably fix all the electrolyte and metabolic issues that are seen in tumor lysis syndrome, and it is a good option for treatment if needed. Um, best references I found for this, the Deranged Physiology post on this is excellent, and the Internet Book of Critical Care with Josh Farkas um, has a lovely little post and podcast on this as well. Thank you again for listening, and until next time.